Phil, that was uh, Graham Schweig, a very bright guy, um, academic, a PhD from Harvard in religious studies, but also uh, extremely committed to his practice, uh, yoga practice, but uh, not just yoga asanas, but as he said, that was one of the uh, one eighth of yoga, uh, the yoga uh, asanas, and uh, also very heart centric is the practice, uh, bhakti, devotional, mm-hmm. from what he said. Are you familiar with uh, uh, Secret Yoga, what he teaches? No, uh, this was a, a something new to me. I know Graham for some time, uh, just because of uh, American Veda. I've got to know uh, any number of um, uh, scholars of religion, and that's really enriched my understanding. And he's he's one of those uh, people. And we've interviewed a few, like Rita Sharma, who uh, he's a co- who's a colleague of his, and Chris Chapel and Jeffrey Long, who are you know serious scholars and also practitioners. And in Graham's case, uh, teaches uh, separately from academia. Uh, you know, uh, as a, you know, what we would call an acharya, a teacher of yoga uh, traditions. Um, and so, uh, I do, but I don't know what uh, much about secret yoga. Well, I or, think there's a reason it's called yeah. secret. Uh, yeah. Probably he, he lets it out. And it was also interesting, related to this, Phil, when uh, I asked him about, I, I'm sure you like his undergraduate students who he teaches, Occasionally, somebody will come up and say, hey, I'd like to start practicing meditation or yoga. What do you mm-hmm. suggest? And uh, he said he doesn't give them anything specific. He says, start looking. And so yeah. I, I, I got Well, he would have to. You have to understand that even if he wanted to teach right. something uh, yeah, narrow that, you know, is what he would prefer to teach, he may be limited in what he can do in an academic context. I know somebody who years ago in an academic context was teaching religion, and when people wanted to learn to practice, he taught them one, and, that, and he got into trouble for that. Really? So, yeah. So I don't know if that would be the case with Graham, but, you know, it is something to consider. Yeah, because it would seem sectarian. Interesting. He also yeah. got into uh, uh, this this issue, and we've discussed it uh, uh, a number of times, and that is the idea of being uh, uh, spiritual but not religious, very popular, yeah. especially amongst millennials. You know, I I would like you to share your thoughts on that with our listeners, because it's obviously something you've given a lot of talk to. We talked to Graham about it. We can reflect on what he said, but it goes beyond that. It's actually something that's been an interest of mine for so many years. I remember giving a talk about it um, at a conference, you know, in the 90s. I I, I didn't, the the term spiritual but not religious wasn't uh, popular then. I, I just gave a talk about the unaffiliated seekers, I called them, that I, I had been interviewing for, for some of my writing. And then I got into it even more deeply when I wrote American Veda, because so many of the people who call themselves spiritual but not religious were influenced by the teachings that came from the East. In fact, I, I think um, without those teachings, without the practices of meditation and other yogic methods, uh, there, there really wouldn't be a spiritual but not religious, except, you know, in the most loose 
term because this gave them methods to practice that didn't right. require them to be religious. I often think of Emerson as the the founding father of spiritual but not religious. Right. Well, well you, <laughs> but, you know, it's anyway, I, I, I have a, I'm sure Graham, you know, as an academic who keeps up with these things, has a you know, a lot more to say about it in the context of religious history than I'm uh, capable of saying. But I, my, my feeling is that it, it represents a really significant phenomenon and um, one that goes back a ways. There was a, a religious scholar uh, named uh, Frederick Spiegelberg who, who said America, he called it... A, so the religion of no religion, which was pretty much the same thing, this sort of independent freelance seeking that characterizes spiritual but not religious. And, and I think it's a terribly important phenomenon. It's breaking down the, the, the boundaries of, um, you know, the silos that religious life has always been in. But Graham pointed out something really important, which is the one thing that's missing from the spiritual but not religious world is the communities and institutions that religions develop, which can be troublesome, as we all know, but they also provide something very useful, you know, places to raise your children, you know, and have fellow uh, right. practitioners and <laughs> community actions of various kinds and celebrations of rituals, you know, so... Well, well it's interesting... I mean, if somebody asks me what religion am I, well, I was raised Catholic, or you consider yourself Christian, well, not really, but I am spiritual. So I, I, I would probably be in the category of spiritual but not religious, but it's hard, it, it, it's hard to understand what that is because you have to define religion. What is religion? I associate yeah. religion with doctrine, but there's also practice involved in many religions. And, That's right. Uh, and, 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 and there's people who say, oh, no, I'm religious and spiritual. Yeah, yeah or, or, and I'm, or I'm spiritual in spite of my religion. And, uh, and 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 uh, if you ask what spirituality is, well, uh, I my definition of spirituality has evolved and changed. I don't know if it's evolved, but it's changed over the years because one can be spiritual and think of a a a, a divine being and all that, but one could also, I think, be spiritual and just uh, understand that human life has a silent uh, dimension to it, and uh, one can integrate mind, body, and that inner quiet or spirit. That could also be spiritual without thinking of an afterlife or a supreme being. Sure. So I think it, it's it's developing. And also, one basically just thinking about what you just said about the institutions, many people who are spiritual, consider themselves spiritual but not religious, depend upon religions to provide uh, 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 places to go or, That's right. uh, or, or, or even more importantly, ritual uh, That's that, right. that feeds their spirituality. Uh, but they uh, so they they um, take from religions, but don't necessarily join them and have an independence in, in regard to their spirituality. So I, I don't think it's easily defined. No, it's not. And, and, and it's, it's not easily separated. All these different uh, nuances are hard to separate. But you're right. I think there's an awful lot of people who will go to church or go to synagogue on holidays and that sort of thing, send their kids to, you know, Sunday school so they have right. a sense of their heritage and their tradition and a place to do rituals, but they don't necessarily ascribe to all the doctrine, uh, doctrine right. and dogma 
and they are not necessarily observant in any everyday sense. And many of them may be, you know, yogis, you know, doing various forms of meditation that derive from the East, and but their, you know, sense of religious uh, heritage and and participation may be, you know, their local church or synagogue or mosque or whatever. Right. Yeah. I was uh, recently, like a, f a few days ago, uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to a monastery where a friend of mine has been a monk for many years. Uh, oh, yeah. This monastery, yeah. Brother Elias Marischal, good friend of mine, hadn't seen him in probably 40 years, went in and surprised him, which isn't an easy thing to do in a monastery. But, <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, okay, so I grew up Catholic, and, and most of my experience with Catholicism, uh, it was ritual, and there was... Uh, uh, certainly dogma and guilt, feelings, great feelings of guilt, but it was, uh, uh, but not so much in terms of spiritual practice and all. And yet this whole area, this whole dimension of, of, of Catholicism that I didn't know about, like the Trappist orders, the Desert Fathers uh, existed. And when I went there, I had a sense of, of uh, more spirituality than dogma or religion. Or whatever oh, sure. religion. And what's interesting is, most of the men there that I've encountered, and that my friend, uh, Brother Elias, was a close friend of Thomas Keating and, and, and Father Basil Pennington, uh, they, there would be Christians that would consider them, Catholics that would consider them too uh, broad-based in their beliefs and thinking, because sure. they're really open. So I think with spirituality comes an openness, or what, what we've also discussed with a lot of uh, uh, our guests, interfaith. Where you know yeah. we we moved yeah. to an area uh, a common ground, so it was uh, it was interesting, but it was a great place. It was uh, I think uh, uh, Holy Spirit uh, Monastery of the Holy Spirit, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, not the one where where uh, 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 the famous uh, you know monk uh, uh, that it was Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton was in uh, Kentucky. Yeah, oh, in Kentucky. Okay, it's the one in Georgia. But a yeah. beautiful place to visit, and their spiritual practices are very profound. And the feeling there was amazing. Of yeah, deep hey, look, you know, we can be non-religious. We can be contemptuous and critical of some of the ridiculous and um, hypocritical aspects of a mainstream religion. But at the same time, you know, they they have contributed a great deal. I mean, we're, we're speaking now just a couple of days after Notre Dame burned. And, you know, I felt that. I'm, I'm not Catholic, you know, but I felt a sense of loss because I have sat in Notre Dame. I have been transported. I have, I've been elevated just being inside that place and, and, you know, just partaking of the beauty of it and, and the unmistakable feeling inside from centuries of people going in there and worshiping and praying. I've noticed that so much. You're, by the way, on that subject, uh, I also felt horrible, terrible. I mean, I've been there. It's a spectacular uh, spot. And, and like you said, where people have been coming from centuries to, 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 to worship and, and go deep in silence. On the other hand, to spend a billion dollars to rebuild it when there are people starving to death in Yemen and, and the Sudan in many parts of the world uh, uh, makes it, at least it should give us Paul. I don't want to judge it, but at this point, but I think it, sh it, it should be open to discussion 
Yeah, well, I hear you. I mean, that's an old story. You you could ask the Vatican to sell a few of the artifacts and and cover the whole cost of everything. And not to mention all the things they're dealing with. But let's not go there. Anyway, it was great to have Graham on the show, and um, I'd love to have him back sometime because he's really a wealth of information, particularly. And I was glad that we got to uh, learn a little bit more about the the Vaishnavite tradition that you know we think of as the Hare Krishna movement right. and all that. He's he's a, a genuine expert in all that, and and so we should have him back sometime. Right. One last question. Because I'm looking at his website, and there's a picture of him leading an evening satsang, uh, playing the harmonium and chanting at Yogaville, Virginia. That's uh, that was uh, Swami Satchidananda's look. That's right. So I wonder if he was just a, a guest or. Oh yeah, the, the Yogaville has a lot of people who come, uh, you know, who have, are not necessarily disciples of Swami Satchidananda. They're very open. They're very. Uh, uh, pluralistic in their uh, in in what they present there. Great. All we right, should get somebody we, from Yogaville. We had a we had somebody. Uh, 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 we had a, one of Satchidananda Swamis on had, at one point. Wasn't a woman who was a medical doctor. Uh, who yes, that's right. We also yeah. had had her on. We have a wealth of of, of information of knowledge uh, at SpiritMattersTalk.com. Go there. Uh, share it with your friends. Uh, don't take a course in comparative religion. Just listen to our <laughs> podcast. And you too will be spiritual, and, and, but not religious or religious and, and uh, also spiritual. We won't let you be religious and non-spiritual. That's the one. <laughs> uh, uh, all okay. right. Till Thanks, Dennis. Bye.